Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting right back into 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, and we're going to be looking at the work that is given unto us to do, the church to do, to reach the world for Christ. And we're going to discover today the judgment that is applied to the church uh, as concerning the work that we've done for Jesus in reaching the world, because that's really the only judgment that we face. Now, as comparative to the judgment that the world has to go through that is separated from God, which is known as white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 that we looked at weeks back, we understand that the dead are judged according to those things which were written in the books to, to what was in their heart. Well, the same thing is true about those who are saved. Our judgment comes from that which is in our heart, and our heart is meant to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to the good and perfect and acceptable will of God, as recognized in Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 2. And so our heart should be driven to uh, growing in the knowledge of God's Word if we know that we don't know how to share the gospel, that we learn the gospel in order to share it, uh, growing in the desire to be a part of God's house, and so that if we're not regularly attending church, that we we grow in our desire to regularly be in fellowship with the saints so that we can encourage one another to carry on in our faith, and we can encourage new people that we see coming to the church to remain at the church and to grow along with us in the church so that we can rejoice together in the work that we've been given to do in that community. So there are a lot of things that are expected of us as God's children. And in this modern day, unfortunately, I'd have to say because of the ease of travel and because of the multitude of other things that we've gotten ourselves involved with, We've sadly fallen away from the realities of what we were supposed to be for God. And one thing that we have to keep in mind is that in His mercy, He saved us. And so by His grace, He he has every means and right to be able to tell us as His children what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, what we should be saying, what we shouldn't be saying, how we should be living and how we shouldn't be living. This is the role of a father to raise his children in, in, to become that which would be pleasing unto him. And this is the role of parents, is it not, that, that we want our children to be a certain way or we would like our children to, to follow in our footsteps, provided that our footsteps are going in a good direction. And there's a lot of people who have ended up in prison who, who are hoping that their children don't follow their footsteps. But the, the, the very point exist that that we would want more for our children to know more to be more to to do better than we did and of course the father in heaven desires for his children to know more about him to do more for him and to be better uh, people than they were before they came to the father so that they can be an example just as first peter chapter number three And verse number 15 would tell us to sanctify the Lord God in our heart and be ready always to give an answer to them who ask of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So you're ready always to give an answer of why you're a Christian, why you are a believer in Jesus Christ. 
unfortunately in our societies today we've gotten so inundated by all the different activities inundated by the sports inundated by the 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 workforce the job place and all of these other little little things that have compiled on top of us to bury us underneath a weight of of having to be places and responsibilities and so that our mind is so chaotic with everything that's going on in our daily lives that we really we might try to take some time to be with God, but it's pretty futile in its attempt because even the few minutes that we might give him every day, we think is pretty amazing because we finally found a spot in our day to be able to even give a five or ten minutes. But this is not God's desire, nor is it God's design. And so there is a judgment that is applied against us from God because we didn't we didn't count the heavenly things. We didn't count his house, his people, his his word. We didn't count it as equal in worth or more so than all the other junk that the world has thrown at us. We consider the world more worthy than God. Do you think that's going to go over well? <laughs> so we're going to look at that from 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to see what Paul tells us about uh, the the work that we have as believers to do and and so let's just dive right into it father we pray that blessing upon us as we consider these things today that it may go well with us to be able to grow in our understanding of the responsibilities that we have blessed to us by you and it'll be well with our souls lord amen in first corinthians beginning back up in in verse or 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, beginning back up in verse number 6, so that we gain the point, it comes down, it says, I planted, and Apollos watered, but God giveth the increase. Now he that plants and he that waters are one. And his point being is that Apollos and Paul are equal. They're one in the same service that they are rendering unto the people of the communities that they reach out to. They're one. And it's the same thing with everybody inside of Martin. I'm no, I'm no more above them or beneath them. We're all equal in this work that we've been given to do. Now, I'm set apart from them for the purpose that God has put within me to, to instruct, to give the Word of God, to lead in position of prayer and praying for them and help to encourage them, help to strengthen their faith, build them up in the Word of God so that all of the different things that God would have for their lives to be accomplished can be seen and, and with with bravado can be entered into and and grown in. Now, so we understand that that the Apostle Paul, of course, as concerning his position, is going to be separated from Apollos because of the work that God had given Paul to specifically do. But as Apollos grows and he learns from the Apostle Paul, there's going to be a work that Apollos is then given, and he will then move forward into that labor that God has specifically put on his heart. But Paul and Apollos are still going to continue the, the one singular label, labor rather that all God's children have been given to do, and that is present the gospel to lost souls. 
And so much in verse 6 that Paul would say, I've planted, Apollos is watered, but God is the one who gives the increase. And he says it is Apollos and Paul that are one in verse 8. Now, he that plants and he that waters are one. And you think about the, the area of the Dakotas where I'm at now, and you've, you, you consider even those areas like right across the road from Morgan's there with, with all of the hills that are often planted with wheat uh, or, or that are growing alfalfa for, for baling. And you consider rather the, the western farms or the eastern farms, you, you, you look at the same point. There are a multitude of people that are working within this to make it happen. There, there are employees that, that are working. There are owners that are working. Everybody's in the same dirt. Everybody's doing uh, a similar work trying to get the multitude of acres planted. And so the hired man that, that is working and the owner that are working are really the same because they have the same work that is necessary to be done. Now, when you look at the position of people, obviously the owner is going to be in a separated position from the hired man. That's why he's a hired man. But when it comes to the labor, they're both doing the same work because it's necessary for, for this one specific task to be done regardless of who's doing it. As, as the farmer's children would be growing up, the farmer's children who are who are uh, eventual inheritors of the land of that, that is being farmed are going to be working right alongside of the, the hired man or the hired men. And e even mama's going to get involved with this thing because everybody's life, the hired man, the farmer, the farmer's wife, the children, everybody's life depends on this seed being planted. Everybody's life does. And so that the farmer will tell the hired man where he wants him to be, what he wants him to do in that day. But ultimately, everybody, even, even cousins and uncles and other family members as given opportunity, will be right out in that field planting that seed because though everyone has a little bit different a work to be done, yet everybody has the same mission all at the same time. So you might have pastors and you have Sunday school teachers and you have deacons and you have elders and you have you have evangelists that come through. You have missionaries that are out in the field. And all of these different positions operate in, in different ways, but all of them have the same goal, the same cause, and that is to build up the kingdom of God by presenting the gospel, encouraging lost souls to come to faith and encouraging saved souls to get to serving and empowering saved souls to be able to serve with knowledge into the world. So we, we all have the same goal. Win the lost to Jesus. No matter if you're a pastor, an apostle, a a bench warmer at the church just got saved, don't know what job to do. You have one position that we all have to operate in, and that is winning the lost to Christ. Hence he said, now in verse 8, he that plants and he that waters are one. He said, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now I cannot be accountable to your labor. 
you cannot be accountable to my labor. Every one of us is given work from the Lord to do, and if we do not fulfill that work that has been given to us, then we must face a judgment. Let me show you that. I talk about it often, but it's different when you look at it with your own eyes. In 1 Peter chapter number 4, this is dealing with suffering as a Christian, and it's very important for us to understand that a part of our suffering as, as a Christian is going to come because we're going to fulfill the task of our Father in sharing the gospel. Some people are really going to appreciate the fact that you shared with them eternal life. Some people are really going to be thankful that you thought of them and that you cared for them so much that you'd be willing to, to endanger yourself to come to them and give them the gospel that they've never heard. But some are really going to be offended that you did that. Some are really going to be upset. Friends will walk away from you. People will yell at you. I've had dogs let out on me from knocking on doors. I've had doors slammed in my face. I've had uh, people in church stand up screaming and yelling and walking out the door. I've had, I've had all kinds of events happen just because I get a privilege of sharing the gospel. And believe me, it only strengthens the resolve. It doesn't repel the servant of the Lord. But look what he says. In verse number 12 of 1 Peter 4, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Now this is dealing with the trial that I'm going to show you in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. He says, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when in his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with an exceeding joy. He says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, you should be happy, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. In other words, don't be like the world, guys. You've got to come out from among them and be separate. You can't be, be considering yourself a Christian if you're out there slaying people or murdering people. That's, that's not the work of a Christian or the recognition of the Spirit the spirit's fruits inside of you or as a thief you're stealing from people but at the same time you're calling yourself a christian again not the fruit of the spirit recognized in you an evil doer even just these words this this concept in verse number 15 of first peter 4 it's just how do you call yourself a christian when you're cheating people when you're when you're lying to people when you're stealing from people it it just doesn't work but there's a lot of people who do that <laughs> a busybody and men, other men's matters trying to rule over people's lives or tell them what to do or, or or gossip about all the things they are doing so you can get a community fired up he says in verse number 16 if any man suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify on god let him glorify god rather on this behalf that he suffered as jesus suffered and that's exactly what, what Paul said. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear. He's given us love, judgment, and a sound mind. Uh, 
same point. Verse number 17, for the same, for the time, rather, 1 Peter 4, 17, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Did you hear that? For the time is come, okay? The time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Where's the house of God? Church. Judgment is going to happen first at the church. Before that white throne judgment of Revelation 20, God's going to deal with us. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly and the, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? <laughs> Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. You're going to face persecution? Just commit your soul to Christ. Trust in him to work through you and patiently carry on in, in the work of sharing the gospel with as many people as you can, as often as you can, recognizing that, that when we face our judgment, that we be judged according to the labors that we have done for our Lord in sharing the gospel, knowing that those that we share the gospel with are going to face a judgment that is wholly different unto ours because that judgment will be a judgment of the separation from God that will be considering the very wretchedness of their souls from the core of their heart to be judged according to the works that they may have never even done in their physical lives, but because they thought it, they will be judged on it because God works on the heart. <laughs> oh, 1 Peter 4 is very powerful reality, isn't it? And so I connect it back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and beginning in verse number 10 where we left off last Friday. It says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, in verse number 10, As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another is built thereon. But let everyone, let every man Take heed how he builds upon it. Now, it's dealing with the foundation that's been laid. And Paul, referring to himself as a wise master builder, by the way, that applies to all of the children of God who are currently engaged in the activity of sharing their faith with this world. As you have reached a point in your confidence in the Lord and in your knowledge of God's word that you have begun to proclaim the gospel to those that are lost, you have entered into the realm of being a master builder and that you are called upon to build upon the foundation that has already been laid. So let's look at that. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, for the believer, it is understood that the rock of our salvation is Jesus. He is the very foundation from which our life now is being built up upon. And so that as we encourage other lives to come to Jesus, we are encouraging other people to come to the, the same faith that we have and the same Savior that we have. And as 1 Peter chapter number 2 will reveal that as a people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they become living stones. 
and as they become living stones, then you bring them together with you and unite them together with you in the church that you belong to, and that stone gets gets put together with your stone, and the, the mortar that would bind you together will be the baptism of your church that connects you in identity and your community together as one, and so that those living stones are no longer uh, sitting apart and waiting for a position in the house of God, but those, those living stones get brought in and connected to the other living stones that are the people in the community that, that are being built up as a spiritual household unto the Lord, as those stones being connected by the the blessing of the baptism that, that Jesus underwent and, and that we are commanded to do as bringing people as to becoming living stones and then baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. So we, we win them to Christ so that they become saved. We bring them into church and connect them together with us in a spiritual habitation unto the Lord and unto baptism so that they're prepared to to learn how to serve God, and then we build them up so that they are prepared to go do exactly what was done for them. And it's not a difficult work here. As we share our faith, we teach others to share their faith, the same faith that is to be shared. And as we all share our faith, we all are increased, for God's word never returns void. Now, some of us are increased one person, some of us are increased ten people, some of us are increased a million people. Some of us just have that one soul that we were able to impact in, in our lifetime, and that one soul may become a Billy Graham that impacts millions of people, maybe not winning millions of souls, but impacting millions of people with the gospel. So, it's just it's really important to understand these things. You could make the difference in the one person's life that God is going to take to to flip the world upside down. You just, you don't know, and they didn't know until God sent them you. So you everybody's got to be on the same team here. Everybody's got to be in the same game here. The same work here. So he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another has built on top of it. But let every man take heed how he builds, because you cannot try to change the foundation. You can't, you can't make church about entertainment now. You can't make church about your band. You can't make church about your music. You can't make church about your activities. You can't make church about all of these other things that unfortunately church is being turned into because that's removing the church from the foundation that no other man can lay. And it's, it's converting the church from what it was supposed to be as a house of learning to a house of playing, and it no longer belongs to God. It's not Beth-El anymore, the house of God. It's now become Beth-Avon, and only man can do that. For if it was left to God, it would be Beth-El, because God desires a house of people to worship him. But unfortunately, when man gets involved with it, and our ideas tend to begin trumping God's 
word and our ways tend to become changing God's ways, then we change it from the house of God to the house of wickedness. We go to Beth Avon, and that was demonstrated from, from Israel when Solomon passed away and his son took on the leadership role there, the kingdom of Israel, that, that there be those who had respected Solomon but did not respect his son, and they broke away from Judea. They broke away from the southern kingdoms, and then just 14 miles, how embarrassing is that? Just 14 miles up the road, they established a place called Bethel, but God said, no, that's Beth even. That's not my house, for my house was established under Solomon. That's where my eyes and my ears are attentive to the prayers of my people. If you, you want to break off and go up, up to the northern ends, great. But if you're going to worship me, you're going to come back down to where I have chosen my name to be. And, and that is the temple that, that my servant Solomon built. So these people went and built their own temple, built their own style of worship, which is where you find at the Samaritan woman, which is in those northern kingdoms, the Samaritan woman saying to Jesus, our ancestors uh, worship God on this mountain, and you say that God can only be worshipped down in Jerusalem, so who's right? Well, that's where that, that question comes from, from though, you know, a clear one or two thousand years from the time that temple's built, about a thousand years or so, pretty close, from the, the, the at temple being built. And, and this woman's asking this question. Well, he comes from that division. And we, man, we've got Presbyterian, we got Methodist, we got 31 flavors of Baptist, we've got uh, a just about as equal amount of flavors of Lutheran. We've got we've got all kinds of these different denominations because everybody's chasing after their own line of thinking. But how many of these particular faith groups or particular denominations are actually locked into what God's word plainly says? That we're not putting a spin on on what we think God's word says, and that's kind of a danger of a lot of the translations. Just saw this happen in a Sunday school where there was a particular area of questioning in our Sunday school curriculum that was hard to understand or figure out because uh, certain translations did not speak what needed to be heard and, and we had to go back to good old King James to get the understanding of it. Well, at that point, you've got a multitude of different translations taking you in a multitude of different ways of thinking. You've got a multitude of different denominations who are all picking and grabbing at what they think to be true. Oh, my mercy. Who's going to get it right? Or did we all get it wrong? Or do we need to just recalibrate from all of the things that we think and get back into a study of, of just the simplicity of what God's Word says, and then do it. I say let's just go back to the simplicity of discovering what God's Word says, and then do it. So he says, uh, if any man builds on this foundation, now the building blocks for this foundation Gold, silver, precious stones, one section, wood, hay, stubble, another section. Now, I'll explain that here in just a second. Let me look at 
keep going down. Verse number 13, gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. In other words, you're not going to be able to hide the things you didn't do or to be able to hide the things you did do. Everything's going to be made known. Manifest is brought out to light. Manifest is is put before everyone and, and fully visible and seen. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. There's a very specific point of time. The day There's a very specific moment where the church is going to be judged where the church is going to have to face the work that that it did do the work that it didn't do and as concerning the church it's not dealing with whole congregations per se but it's dealing with individuals right as the lost will be individually judged according to the wickedness of their soul so also the church will be judged individually according to the labor that it is given unto his savior because it was saved to be put to a labor. So if you if you have purportedly received Christ but then have done absolutely nothing for Jesus for all of your life, you, you wood hay stubble is going to be your reward. Just saying. It comes down. It says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work, in verse 14, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now, the work abiding, the works that are referred to that abide are dealing with the gold, silver, and precious stones, right? Because he says, now if any man build upon this foundation is gold, silver, and precious stone. Well, when you take gold, silver, precious stones, and you put them through a fire, they only get refined. They only get more pure and more perfect. They, they don't become less. In fact, the fire does not diminish these things, but only makes them more glorious, makes them more beautiful, because any type of impurities that might be found in the gold are going to melt out of that gold, and it's going to become even more pure in it, in the content of its gold or of its silver. And of course, the the gems, the the precious stones, they're only going to be through this trial of fire increased and made more valuable. So he says, any man's work abide, meaning the gold, silver, and precious stone that isn't going to burn up and melt away or any of that nature that he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. In verse number 15, if any man's work shall be burned, now you're dealing with wood, hay, and stubble, where where these things are, are worth nothing when they come through the fire, but but just chaff, just, just ash that is all burnt up and it's gone. So this is a man who has done no labor for the Lord, has done no no work within the church has has been content just to show up to church and think that God ought to be honored that you even took that time out of your busy schedule and your busy life because you're really enjoying your own life instead of enjoying the service you can use your life to to render unto God so you 
claim salvation, but you have begun to serve your own self instead of serving God. So it should be an amazing thing for God to rejoice in the fact that you even showed up this Sunday and understand that that this is the issue. If indeed you truly are saved, understand that this judgment is going to be coming to you and that when everything is burned up with all of the wood, hay, and stubble for the work that you did not do for the Lord, understand, he says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. But, in verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Understand what happens on the other side of this colon. But he himself shall be saved did you catch that? The person didn't lose their salvation even though they were worthless to God in the, in this kingdom. Right now we're living in what is called the kingdom of God. Jesus taught this kingdom as a spiritual kingdom that is uh, connected to the Holy Spirit of God living inside the hearts of believers, that, that it is a worldwide kingdom and that Jesus is its head. It is recognized through the connections of the believers gathered together in the churches. And so it's very important for us to understand that, that even though you may be worthless to God as concerning the building of his kingdom and bringing souls to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, you haven't been serving God. You haven't been growing in a knowledge of God's word. You haven't cared about your Sunday schools. You don't care about the activities of the church. You, you seldom care about the church service itself and only show up when you don't have anything else to do. Yet there was a time in your life where you truly did come to faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then at that moment, as you got born again, God will not take away from you that which he has given unto you, for he is the protector of your life and will remain the protector of your life, even though you are just that worthless, but the price will be paid. You think you got away with living a great life in the world just like the world with all of the blessings of the world, but that you also think you're going to have the great life with God because you took care of that salvation stuff back 20 years ago? You are sadly mistaken, for you will pay the price. There is a judgment that is upon you, and you will face that judgment. Now, it is true that though you face this judgment, you will come on the other side of that, just as verse 15 has made promise to you, he himself shall be saved. In other words, that is a promise that had been taken care of at the point of your salvation. So when it comes to this day of judgment, you will be saved. But it will be through the fire and you will suffer loss so what you achieved on the earth trying to make yourself some kind of big shot before the eyes of man when you make it to your eternity you will be no one you will have nothing and in fact i submit that you will be outside the gates of the new jerusalem as revealed in revelation chapter 22 and verse 15 being considered before god is not much more than a dog 
or a sorcerer or a, a liar or an adulterer, and, and you will not be allowed entrance into that new Jerusalem, even though you have been promised, and that promise was kept unto your salvation. But you suffered the loss because you didn't serve your father well, served yourself. Now, we know from the prodigal son and the parable of the prodigal son that when when that son served himself as, as a child of the father, all he discovered was that he had wasted everything and now he had suffered such loss that he was in a pigsty trying to fight the pigs for the, the husks that w- they would eat. I suggest you come back to the father and begin serving in his fields so that you can receive blessing from the one who is rightfully able to give you blessing. He says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In verse number 16, to finish our day, he says, Know ye not that you are the, the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Did you... Did, I got to stop with this one because then I, as we carry on in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 17, it talks about the defiling of the temple and the understanding that the defiling of the temple will cause a wrath that will bring God to destroy uh, that temple. And we understand that, that when Nero, or was it Titus, I believe it was Nero, during the time of 70 A.D. in Rome that, that would burn the temple to the ground. He, he'd burn the whole city of Jerusalem to the ground, but that he would destroy that temple that was built. And of course, in 586 to 587 B.C., when we have Nebuchadnezzar for the very first temple that Solomon would build as he invaded Jerusalem and as he he just destroyed the city the first time, that 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 temple was brought down to the ground. We understand that these men are responsible on earth for the ones bringing that house down, but they couldn't have touched God's house lest God gave them authority to be able to do it. Understand that that this issue that you are discovering here concerning the service of the Lord and concerning the reality that you are the presence of God. You literally are the temple where God's presence dwells. That The Holy Spirit that lives in you resides in you as, as becoming a temple of the Lord. And another place Paul would call us, uh, this body, a tabernacle, like the tent that was established back uh, before Solomon built the temple, there was there was obviously the tent of meeting that that as they were a nomadic people who traveled the land that that this tabernacle would be established through Moses to to be brought where the people traveled. And God said that you now are that tabernacle. You now are that temple. That, that is mobile for the purpose of God's glory being revealed unto the world. But as you are a tabernacle, that means throughout your week, you're going to the job site, you're going to the relative's house, you're going over to friends' houses, you're going to the library, to Walmart, to all of these different things. As the tabernacle of the Lord, you're out there reaching out and sharing the gospel. But then on Sunday, from the tabernacle, you become the temple of the Lord because you now come to the 
the building established in your community for your people to gather together to become that one house of God, that one habitation of the Lord, his temple. And so that he would tell us, if if you are God's building, you are the temple of God. Now, I just want to bring this out also in First uh, Peter, because we've been working between Paul and Peter. I want to bring this out in First Peter chapter number 2. As I was telling you earlier, he, he comes down and he says in First Peter chapter number 2, starting off in verse number 1, he says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." To whom coming as unto a living stone, remember I told you the living stones you are, to whom coming the Lord is the one who's coming unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, rejected of man, but chosen of God and precious. You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. That's my whole point about being the temple over in Paul's words at 1 Corinthians 3, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious." That was the whole point to be made in connection with where we were in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And tomorrow we will pick up in verse number 17 concerning the, the temple of God. Well, we'll talk about it from verse 16, the temple of God that you are, and then recognizing the defilement that that is possible to bring into it. So now you know what your task is. Now you know what the common Work is for all of the believers at Martin, the believers at Morgan's, the believers at Laurel Grove, the believers and at Berthold, the believers and in all of the churches, in all of the states, in all of the nations, in all of the world. We all have a common work that is given unto us to reach the lost for Christ. As we are faithful to that work, is recognizing what we'll learn tomorrow, that we are individually a tabernacle of the Lord to bring His grace, His glory, and His truth unto the lives of others that we may gather them together and bring them in to become living stones with us to be united to us we can build up that spiritual habitation the temple of the lord at our churches that we may be able to to have reward before the lord doing his work but if we're not going to do any of that then we have to understand that we're going to suffer the wood hay and stubble and the loss that is there and we're going to have to face that fire. You can't get around it. For God is that fire, and it's all-consuming. So you're going to have to face it. How's it going to turn out for you? If you say wood, A and stubble, change. You can start serving today because you don't have to serve alone. you got people that, like me that are right here ready to help you, teach you, walk right alongside you, and share the gospel with others so that you can learn how to do it. Everything is ready. All you got to do is be willing Will you serve the Lord? Father, we pray that you will bless this time together. 
that you will bless this message to the hearts of those who need it. Lord, that we can become a people transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may serve you well and obey your will in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and we'll catch you tomorrow for 1 Corinthians 3.16. Take care.